you know, that I would be making a mistake with, with God's assignment on this place to be it making all of the aim and the thinking and the strategizing about how we can get bigger. Yeah. Uh, we're, God's already talked to us about bigger, quantum leap bigger and yeah. more people coming, but I'm just kind of releasing my faith for that every day. That's, but I, I just appreciate and kind of my goal is to take us all into a deeper experience with God, Amen. that we become more skillful uh, with spiritual things and with the Word. And really, uh, that's where our fruit is really going to be uh, magnified, where our fruit is going to be the most uh, effectual, not only in our own personal lives, family, church, but our impact on the region. Uh, us getting bigger enables us to have a greater wield of influence for sure. But for in the spirit is where we're going to have our greatest impact. And you don't need a lot of people to get a lot done in the spirit. But you have to have a people who knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, that's my goal with us in, in what we're talking about last week. And now what I'm going to continue in again is, again, the subject of worship. I'm not saying that we don't know something about worship. But we don't know all we need to know. And, uh, you know, I don't, it's not my place to get up and talk about all that I go through personally, and I'm not going to tonight, but I've been through a, you know, a pretty protracted season here of tests and trial. And, um, you know, I was out by myself recently, and I was sharing this with Amber just, just before the service, and one of the things the Lord impressed upon me, he said, you know, son, your deal, Chris, your, your thing for you is not knowing more, it's doing more of what you know. And I think for so many of us who've heard this level word for very long, now, of course, is there more to know? There's more to know than what we know. Isn't that right? Uh, but uh, we do know and have heard quite a bit of fundamental key things about what we need to understand about how to live victorious in every area. The question really is, what are you doing with what you know? We know in this church that it's vital to our life to pray in tongues, to pray, in, to pray out the will of God, to build ourselves up spiritually, to pray out mysteries, amen, to talk to God in an encoded language. I'm not preaching that tonight, but we know it in this church. We know it from the Word. Well, I'm judging myself. You ought to judge yourself. Us knowing that doesn't make us spiritual. How much did we pray in the Holy Ghost so far today? Have we done anything? See, knowing it doesn't equal victory. <laughs> Doing it equals victory. Hallelujah. Well, we know Christians ought to worship God. But are we? Are we worshiping God? And as Pastor Nancy related what the Spirit of God told Brother Norval Hayes, are we worshiping God enough? And uh, what's tied to worshiping God? So if this becomes a series, I don't know that it will, but it's the second part in, in this theme of topic anyway. Last week we talked about worship, a vital necessity. Uh, this week I want to talk to you a little bit. We'll see how it comes out about what's connected to my praise. What's con there are things connected to my praise. And if I don't praise, if I don't worship, I don't get what's connected to my praise. Amen. 
And so we want to know what's connected to our praise. So here in John chapter number 4, verse number 23 and 24, of course Jesus uh, lays this nugget. It wasn't the primary uh, subject of conversation. Really, as I told you last week, this woman at the well, she actually brought up this question about worship to Jesus to deflect because he climbed in her grill and read her mail about having a man that she's not married to. And, and uh, she let's not talk about that. Let's talk about worship. Let's get religious. <laughs> and uh, Jesus, in his kindness, goes ahead and answers her question. And in verse 22, he tells her, you worship you know not what. Now, isn't that sad? She's worshiping, but she doesn't know what she's worshiping. She doesn't know who she's worshiping. That's what Jesus said. I mean, you know, he's right about it. He goes on and says, We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers, man, that phrase just leaps out to me every time I read it. True worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now let this, let this speak to you. For the Father, the Father, your Father, my Father, He's seeking. He's inquiring of. One meaning of this word in, uh, um, seek means to inquire or to require. To require. So the Father is requiring such to worship Him. God is a spirit. He's not off track here with this statement. He's trying to help this lady and all of us be a true worshiper. So what's He say? you got to understand, gal. God is a spirit. Now you think about the setting that they lived in. It'd be a lot culturally to try to go back in time and put yourself in the setting that they're in in this moment. You know, Jerusalem was, yes, the center of Jewish worship, but there were pagan temples all over. You know, you could go to India today and we drive around India and there's temple after temple and idol after idol and worship going on. And so... You know, they have, they worship, back then they're worshiping idols of every kind, gods of wood, gods of stone, the sun, the moon, come on, all kinds of things. And Jesus says to this woman to try to help her, if you want to be a true worshiper, you got to understand God isn't a stone, He's not a statue, He's not a temple, He's not a curtain. Right. He is a spirit. Right. God is spirit. He is a spirit. And those that worship Him, they that worship Him must, must, come on, must worship Him in spirit and in truth or in reality. Or I like to say it this way, in sincerity. You see, if you're not sincere, you're not worshiping. If we're not sincere, how would I be sincere? Well, you couldn't be sincere to come into church on Wednesday night or Sunday morning 
and raise your hand and go through the motions and give God lip service, but your life out there does not match your actions in the song service. That's not being sincere. To come in here, live in any old way, live in a compromised life, live in an impure life, live in an, and that doesn't mean we're perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be sincere, but you got to be who you are. And you got to be real. And you worship God in reality. All I am, I'm not trying, I'm doing my best out there. I'm not perfect. But I've come and I'm sincere in my worship. But anything about us that's, you know, well, I don't want people to not think I'm in the flow. So I'll raise my hand, I'll sing my song. But your heart's not in it. The Bible talks about this, right? It said these people, right? Their lips. How's it go? They're, you know, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen, this God we serve, He knows. He knows the difference between lips moving and a heart that's engaged. Amen. Now, don't, don't confuse the reality of what happens. Maybe some of us tonight, you work all day, get up early, you press to be here, you overcome all the natural and the evening hours and your tiredness. And your flesh doesn't feel engaged. Right? And maybe your mind's tired. But that doesn't mean, see, there's something on the inside of me that loves God and is devoted to God. And I'm out of my spirit. I make my tired flesh do what ought to be done. That is the height of being spiritual. You understand that? That's not, that's not how you define being insincere. But you can go through all the outward motions and on the inside... Not be, not be there. You could be on the inside. You know, you got your hands raised up like if we looked at you, you're in full surrender to God. But inside, you're frustrated with God. Well, see, that's not, he's not looking for that kind of worship. So there's two requirements Jesus gives here. We have to worship in spirit. And we have to be real with God. We have to be truthful with God. We have to be sincere in our approach to God. See, and this is also true. Some people come in, they come into a religious place, a church service, and their voice changes. And it's like they talk 16th century Old English King James. And we've had many hesitant to join our prayer groups because they judge themselves as unlearned or uneloquent. Being unlearned, not knowing something, Right? Or not uh, saying something to God in an eloquent matter is not what qualifies you to be a part of our prayer group. And it certainly doesn't, uh, it's, not, it's not what qualifies you to be effective in prayer with God. God just simply needs a humble, hungry, sincere heart with a mouth on it. Amen. And that's what we're looking for. You could come pray with us if you don't know. You know, Psalm 91 from memory. Amen. Hello? Yes, sir. You'd be a babe in Christ and not know what John 3.16 says. And come and be sincere and really get results from God by just talking to the Father as a spirit to a spirit on real terms. You know, I don't put on religious airs with God here, in front of you, or at home. And it's really sad that really the expectation among the culture out there is they expect today's preacher to be fake. Yeah. 
And it's a surprise to them when they find someone the same in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. But listen, when I talk to God, I talk to Him like an Oki from Muskogee. You know, I just talk, God talks country. Right? If you're from the hood, God talks hood. You talk it really well. He's the master of all the languages, all the dialects. He knows all the cool lingo. He knows LOL and PTL and he knows all of that. Now it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reverent in our approach to God. Now if y'all don't know what LOL means and PTL means, then y'all really need to get with the program, right Andy? Yeah, Andy's going to tell everybody what the text stuff means after the service if you don't know. So that you get hip and cool. Okay, he and Elizabeth will help you out. (laughs) Glory to God. What's my point is, be real with God. That's how you're going to get effective with Him. Just be real with Him. Father, I have had a bad day and I feel like slapping somebody. I mean, just come and talk to Him. And He'll probably say something like, I'd rather you not do that. He'll talk you down off the ledge. Amen. I mean, praise God. This is prayer. (laughs) Glory to God. Anyway, better move on here. (laughs) Now, to worship God in spirit is going to require that we do know some things. Amen. One of the ways to understand what would it mean to worship God, to praise God in spirit? Well, one way would be to judge it by the opposite side of the coin. If you're not in the spirit, you're in the flesh. Right? If you're not in the spirit, you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. And what the flesh is about is itself. That's what the flesh is about. And the flesh is about a natural, carnal, visible, sense-filled display. And I'm, I already told, I, I, I'm going to stay on the positive side. But you can see how the modern church has failed so utterly to instruct the body of Christ about what true worship is. Because we've taken every worldly concert strategy and brought it into the church. Right? Laser shows, complex light systems, uh, smoke machines, pitch black sanctuaries. That's what you have at the nightclub. And why is that all being put in place? It's appealing to the fleshly man. It appeals to the flesh. It appeals to the eyes. It appeals to the fleshly nature. And when that's the whole infrastructure of praise and worship, you're not, you may be sincere. I'm not questioning people's motivation, right? You could be sincere. But you're not going to get the other side of that equation. You have to engage the Spirit. And I just have a big problem with praise and worship 
church, in church settings, the whole infrastructure and design, uh, they're called, you know, that's, they're, what are they called? They're called production teams. Well, you got to come on, ask yourself. Let's reset. Let's learn some things. Is praise and worship a production? And what is the design and aim in a production? Who are we thinking about? We're thinking about people. Well, are we praising each other? No. You know, if I was going to go buy a gift for me, then I'm going to think about what I would like. But if, when it comes to my wife's birthday, I'm not supposed to buy her what... Y'all know that, right, guys? You're not supposed to buy her on her day what you would like. Right. Write that down. Write that down. I'm trying to help you. Write that down. So what I have to do is I have to... I got to think. I got to study her I got to watch her. I have to pay attention. What has she said? What does she need? What has she talked about? What does she like? And then go get that. Well, when you talk about worshiping God, the aim ought to be, what does He like? What would bless Him? What would please Him? What would honor Him? What would make him want to manifest himself more in a greater way, in a stronger way? I'm not criticizing. This is just the way I think about it. Amen. Uh, go over to Acts chapter 13 with me. Let me show you something here. Acts 13. Y'all all right? You know, when it comes to our praise and worship life, now you understand there ought to be an individual application to that. In other words, Sister Jennifer ought to be, she ought to have a praise and a worship life with God herself. Well, this, this would, these principles would apply. Families, a household, a church family, and then there's the body of Christ. Amen. But... If it's praise, if it's worship, it's got to be God-focused. It's got to be God-centered. And I don't know any other way. You know, if praise is about adoring Him, loving Him, thanking Him, right, celebrating Him, well, how... It's like the five love languages. I don't know if you've read that book. It's a great book, everyone, if, for relationships. And its basic premise is a lot of what's messed up in marital relationships is that we talk to our spouse in our own love language. In other words, we try to love our mate the way we receive love. And they might not receive love the same way. You've got to learn to talk their language. So with me, now you're not married to me, but she had to understand that I'm touchy-feely. That's, that's, if you don't touchy-feely me, right, then I'm not going to, I'm not getting the message that you love me, right? So naturally, I'm trying to tell her I love her by let me hold your hand in the knee to me. And she's like, I don't talk that language. <laughs> she speaks a totally different language. 
He said, make me some coffee. That'll show me you really love me. <laughs> We're just, right? So apply it to the Father. What does he like? How does he want to be approached? What blesses him? What, what flips his switch? What pushes his buttons? Well, I don't know any other way to find that out but by going to the Word. Right? Find out what blesses the Father, what pleases the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I know, I, I just got a profession here of making church growth people mad at me, but they're not listening to me anyway, so it don't matter. <laughs> right? It's like, who am I? I'm not, you know, nobody. Uh, Acts 13, Acts 13, verse 1. Notice it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now that would be Paul, right, later on. Notice verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord. What a novel idea. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, unto the work whereunto I have called them. And let's, let's just stop from there. Here's what I want you to see. Here's this. They had no sound system. They had no electronics. They're just in a room. A group of ministers. Now notice this. In this moment, they're not ministering to each other. They're not praying for one another. They're not laying hands on each other. Right? What are they doing? Ministering to the Lord. And maybe we've never even really had this thought with any depth. Could I, little old me, minister to the Lord? Well, they did. They did. You know, we, we really are in a relationship with God. How do you all, I, I'm sure most of us are looking at the landscape here tonight, and you've had enough life experience to have experienced this. Do you like, do you enjoy one-sided relationships? I made a decision a few years ago, I'm done with one-sided relationships. I don't care how much I like you. If you're not interested in me, I'm not going to keep investing in a relationship that you don't apparently care about. I'm not going to try to keep it going. Why pretend? If I've got to be the sole energy behind the relationship, forget it. I love you. I'm not mad at anybody. But I'm just, you know, relationships ought to be two ways. I don't have to have all of it, but I mean, come on. Right. Phone calls go both ways. Tech, you know, all that goes both ways. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, apply that to your relationship with God. Is it all, God, I need a, and God, I want to, and God, I help me with this, and oh, God, I need that, and God, get me out of trouble here, and that's all you ever do is talk to God when you're in crisis or when you got bills you need paid or your body doesn't feel good, and it's all about you getting something from God. See, a true worshiper wants to give something to God. Well, what do we have to give? Our love, our adoration, our worship our service, our praise. Amen. Amen? And that is what they were doing. 
Most other translations of this verse don't say uh, ministered. It says worshipped. And that'll give you a greater insight into what they were actually doing. Were they sweeping the floor? Now, that would be ministering to the Lord if you did it in the right heart. What he, the word is, as they worshipped the Lord. As they worshipped the Lord. They were ministering to Him. Notice, was something attached to their praise? Was something attached to their worship? Absolutely. Those ministers got direction and revelation about their ministry. Come on. They got instruction. The Holy Ghost said. Could you say it this way? The Holy Ghost moved. He moved. Let's say it another way. The Holy Ghost manifested Himself. Well, come on, let's learn. In what environment did God choose to move? In an atmosphere while they were worshiping, while they were praising, while they were loving on the Lord, ministering to the Lord. He just can't take it. He's got to give back. He's got to, to respond. Amen. 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 Revelation about the future. Entrance for Paul and Barnabas into the, the highest office that was on their calling. Right then it said they were prophets and teachers. So they were full-time experienced ministers. But God had a higher office and anointing for Paul and Barnabas, the office of the apostle. And notice, they got into that. They stepped in. They let, let's say they were in a, an upper room somewhere and they're, they're worshiping God. When they left, they had entered in, gained entrance into a place in the Spirit when they left that they didn't have when they walked out, how did they get God to move like that? When, when did they get, how did they get, what did they do to get God to speak and to reveal and to impart? They worshiped. They worshiped. Now, some of you, all of us, we need knowledge and insight and revelation about the future, about next steps, about the things that God has in store for us. And we need Him to speak. And you say, yeah, I know, Pastor, and I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been complaining. I've been talking to God. Well, have you been worshiping? Because He didn't didn't say this while they were praying. He didn't say this while they were complaining. He said this to them while they were worshiping. While they were worshiping. See, that breakthrough, that insight was attached to their worship. If you need God to speak to you, and you've been praying, praying's not wrong. Praying, right? We need all of these flows. But if you've done all of this, well, are you worshiping? Are you worshiping? Praise God. And I mean worshiping in spirit. Meaning you've got to get outside your flesh. You got to get beyond your flesh and realize I've got to I've got to connect spirit to spirit with God. And that shouldn't be hard because we're born again and the Holy Ghost is in our spirit. We're blood washed. We're in union with him. But amen. But it's a different skill for a lot of people, a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians don't even know that they are a spirit. And they don't know how to tap into their spirit. They don't recognize the movement of their own spirit. And you have, to, you have to get trained. You have to, you have to learn. You, 
uh, if you need to, get, get some, ask us and we'll pull some materials out of our archives. Amen. You're, you're a spirit. You, you have a soul. You live in a body. And listen, the reason we have all this outer display and all this jumping up and down and all this sincere movement in churches, but no supernatural manifestations, no presence of God to speak of. What they call the presence of God is really just emotional hype and fleshly display. And the more of it they have, the more they say God moved. But most people in this generation, my age and younger, have no idea what a genuine move of the Holy Ghost even looks like. And that we're in dangerous ground in the body of Christ. I don't know how well I articulated it last week, but Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin in 1987. I listened to it again today, him rehearsing this, and he said, you tell my people... You, meaning the body of Christ, you've gone as far as you can go spiritually. Then he said, go from here and teach my people to stop clapping and go to praising. He said, for clapping is neither praise nor worship. Now this church has been pretty well trained in that, but you get into other environments and it's clap, 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 clap. Someone tries to get up and prophesy under the unction of the Spirit and you can't hear what God's saying because somebody got excited. And it grieves the Holy Ghost. And people are being sincere, but they've not been taught and trained. Nowhere in the New Testament is clapping mentioned as a form of praise. God doesn't receive it. And it grieves the Holy Ghost. When he gets up under the unction of the Spirit to give a tongue, someone else gives, stands up to give the, uh, the interpretation, and, and someone gets excited, and now you've, you, the people can't hear. What, is God talking or is He not talking? If He's talking, we ought to be reverent and, take, and be quiet and listen to what's being said. And really, how do you know in churches like ours, you know, someone will come in, God bless them, and they'll get, they'll, they'll, they'll get oh, you know, in some sort of, ah, ah, ah. Listen, the vast majority of the time, that's not God. Anything that draws the attention to a person in the service is a fleshly display and not the Holy Ghost. Anything that would divert someone's attention, if it doesn't add to the service, lift the service. And listen, that doesn't mean that there's not manifestations and things to take note of. But so much of the time, people are just in their emotions. You can get mad at me. People got mad at Brother Hagin too. That's all right. Jesus said, listen, this is what, what is attached to the body of Christ, proper praise. Well, he said, you've gone as far as you can go. Listen, we've slipped back from 1987 if you've been paying attention. And I want more, church. I want the real, genuine outpouring, the rain of the Spirit, the glory of God. I want the real smoke that they had back in Solomon's day, not fake smoke out of a smoke machine. I want the real move of God where there's miracles, signs, and where hearts are changed, lives are changed. People who are heart of heart melt before God. They're new people. Salvation breaks out. People come in. I want the real thing. And I'd rather just have the dry than compromise and have something fake and some sort of cool fleshly display. No, I, let's just do whatever we need to do to go deeper, to press further, to get more biblical so that God could break out on us in a real way. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We're not going to be any more special when there's no empty seats than we are right now. That doesn't make us successful. God's presence in our midst. That is how I define success. Right? God's presence in our midst. Well, Jesus told Brother Hagin, you've gone as far as you can go. Tell my people, clapping is neither praise nor worship, it is applause. Clapping is what the world does. Go to the concert club, they clap. Go to a political rally, they clap. Go to an award ceremony, they clap. They clap for men. God is not a man. Amen. The Bible says lift up holy hands. You'll see me. It happened in a recent meeting. Uh, not here. And my people recognized it again. People that were watching that, that meeting's live stream. You know, the, the precious people, when they, when they got up and said, let's give God a clap offering. And I'm, my, I guess my crew's on camera and we all just raise our hands. We're not trying to be rebellious, but we're going to walk in the light of what we have. You're ever around me in a meeting like that and they say, let's clap and give God praise. Just raise your hand, praise God. Jesus said, don't clap. He said, right, God is not a man. Let's not treat Him like a man. Only in the church do you see hands raised like in worship to God, in praise to God, in humble submission to God. And that's in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's the biblical way to do it. Well, the Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Old Testament. Jesus said the order of worship's changing. Did he not? Right. You couldn't worship God in the Spirit in the Old Testament. Right. That's why you notice David said, the Bible says about David that he danced before the Lord with all his might. Meaning he did it in the flesh. Well, that, and God was pleased by it. Why? The flesh is all he had. He's a spirit, but he's an, he's an unregenerate spirit. He's not born again. So everything God did in the Old Testament, He had to do from the outside in. He had to deal with people's flesh. But we are new creations. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We are born again. Jesus said, right, the time is coming and now is. Where the true worshipers must worship Him, how? In spirit. In spirit. God's not mad at anybody. He said to Brother Hagin, I have blessed my people as far as I can. But notice what's attached to the body of Christ getting this right. The real move of God. The greater, fuller flow of this end time move of God that's going to bring about the great end time harvest of souls and ultimately the return of the Lord is all, get this, attached to our praise. So we got to just get over our fleshly good selves. Well, I'm just going to praise God the way I want to, Pastor. If you don't like it, well, I just know God loves how I praise Him. Are you sure? Did He tell you that? And I, I'm, not, I'm used to it. I've had people leave me for 18 years over this issue. And that's fine. When I first uh, joined here, uh, you know, people were, uh, uh, well, there's this one lady organizing um, classes uh, to, to teach choreography on, and it was how to dance in the spirit. We're all going to line up like in a honky-tonk in a line dance. We're all going to make the same move at the same time. That's not dancing in the Spirit. If you can 
make up the moves and teach everybody to do the moves in time, that's you in the flesh. That's not the Holy Ghost. If you ever saw somebody dance in the Holy Ghost, you probably have. You knew it was the Holy Ghost. Because if it was someone's flesh, their flesh wouldn't do that because that would be embarrassing. The whole point is to get you out of your good flesh and out of your pride. Everybody really knows when the Holy Ghost is on you to do something. I tell the young people, the kids, pre and post service, when I catch them running, hey, don't run unless you're in the Spirit. We can all tell if you're in the Spirit or not. <laughs> Amen. But I just want to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this over to you, the magnitude, the importance we are 30, what, 32 years away from Jesus' instruction to the leading voice in the body of Christ at that time. The body of Christ has gone as far as I can take them. He said, the reason there is not the depth of the flow, the genuine move of the Spirit, as you desire and seek it in this day, is because you, people don't have reverence for me. Move about in a service, pick their nose. You know, I get, we, we clean up... Uh, nail clippings on the concrete around here. I don't know who's doing that, but that's not real reverent. God wants to move and people want to get, it's not like we have a long line to get out of the parking lot. People got to give you the first one out. When God's trying to talk to someone in altar service. See, we ought not do that. If you don't have to, have to, have to, you ought to not get up and go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom before you, Right? Now, if you got to go, go. Don't go in the chair. <laughs> I'm not trying to be crude, and I'm not trying to put anybody in bondage. But here's where our denominational brothers and sisters have got some stuff figured out that the charismatic, cool church is forgotten. We think we just get up and go, come in with our hat on, do anything we want, and God is not having it. Praise God. You know, I, uh, this precious pastor that's invited me to come over to his church, you know, the whole meeting is, you know, about my church. I, I'm concerned for my church. I, I'm, I love my church, but my church has got to get into some things that we've not gotten into. Well, they might not like what I have to say. Because if we want to get into what we say we want to get into, we're going to have to change some stuff. And... I, I really, I'm not against all the light bill. You don't take it too far. But don't, don't call that the cutting edge move of the Holy Ghost. Don't call that that. It's a light. It's a laser. It's not praise. And I don't have to have that to have a cool worship experience. You didn't have a worship experience if you didn't meet God and get real with God and call out to Him from your guts in reality and in sincerity. And you could do that in the shower. We're going to have to do a whole lot of stuff. Part of what worship is is coming in clean, coming in repentant, coming in right. Not closing your pornography page out in the parking lot and then coming in here and raising your hands. 
Now, if you need help in that area, we've helped many people and we'll help more, and that's not a problem. But don't come in, don't come in here and just don't play that kind of thing out there. Like that, and that's Kip, that's cool, that's all right, that's what people do. And this is cool church, and we've been doing church like this a long time, and God don't seem to care. No, He cares. Don't interpret God's silence with His approval. The church today has gotten way too comfortable having church without Him. The church has gotten way too okay having gatherings and talks with no presence. And that's why lives aren't changed. That's why there's corruption in the pulpit. That's why crowds are so huge. Because you can go there and be carnal and unchallenged and not change, but feel like a really good Christian. And I'm telling you, the prophet of God, Dr. Ed Dufresne, went to heaven in 1997, 98, check me. He took him to heaven. He got out of his body in that elevator. His spirit leapt out of his body, and Pastor Nancy and Stephen, uh, his body just fell in the heat in the floor. And whatever Dr. Dufresne said, Pastor Nancy wrote down. But from his side, Dr. Dufresne's at the throne room looking through the crystal floor, the three, he never looked up. And the Lord said, there's coming a false church that's going to rise up and deceive many. He said, it'll be a church that appeals to and condones the flesh. They sow to the flesh. Jesus gave him Galatians 6, whatever that is. He that sows to the flesh shall reap corruption. He said, It'll all come down. He said, tell my ministers not to be discouraged, but to hold to and keep preaching the word. Because he said, I'm going to put my end time harvest in word and spirit churches. Now we have seen the rise of the false church and the flesh church. We've seen it. Now I really believe it's peaked. That's just me personally. But see, the pressures of the last days, I'm looking at the time, the pressures of life are going to get so intense on people. People are going to, they're kind of, there's going to be a point of critical mass where people out there wake up and say, I have to have power to make it. I have to have power. I have to have God. I have to have the real thing to make it. And many of them will throw off the false and we are preparing. That is what we're doing out here. God told me in 2004 on my knees in my office, He said, Son, I want you to relocate your ministry and get in position for a last day move of my Spirit. The whole reason we're here is for a last day move of God's Spirit. Let's have it, church. Amen. Let's have it. Yes. And we can have it before the masses want it. We can have it Sunday. But real praise, real worship is connected to it. Let's look at one more nugget and then we'll, we'll go home tonight. Y'all getting anything out of this? You're pulling on me pretty good. I appreciate it. Uh, look in Acts 16. This is a familiar verse to many of us. Praise God. 
I'm just not in play in church. Praise God. I want the real thing. You know, they said back in that Azusa Street revival that the cloud, the, the Shekinah glory of God that manifested in the cloud was so thick. The kids, they didn't have nurseries back then. They had this old, decrepit, A-frame farm building that they had. You wanted a chair, you brought one. <laughs> no sound system. But they said the glory of God gets so thick the kids would run around and play hide and seek in it. And that when people got into that cloud and they didn't have an arm, it grew out. It's a historical medical fact. It's well written and documented. Go buy a book about it. Read about it. Eyes would begin to see, the cloud would get in their eyes and begin to swirl around like a little cyclone. When it got done, there'd be an eye where there wasn't one. People would get up out of wheelchairs and run around. Woo, praise God. It wouldn't take one or two manifestations like that, and you better get here early. That's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody tired of reading about it, though? And see, the, the, the more we get removed from it, the more that people like myself, Brett, Sarah, Carly, right, our young people back there, think about it. Their grandpa probably didn't know it. Their, you know, their grandparents, they, they've had no idea about it, typically. We have no frame of reference. We're losing our legacy just because of time and compromise. And we can get it all back, but one of the things Brother Hagin said, it's going to take people like us, Sister Peggy, that will get in prayer and stir ourselves up towards God. Get up and stir ourselves up towards God. They didn't have much of a move of the Spirit in 1940, but Brother Hagin got stirred up. He said, I didn't know till later that many other people got stirred up about that time frame. But he said, I'd get up and we had wood stove in the living room that heated the whole house. So I'd go in there and pray, kneel down, sometimes for 45 minutes. Sometimes he got into such a habit of doing that. He'd wake up praying in the, whole, in the living room, not remember how he got there. But he's talking, he said, the whole reason he's there, he says, Father, we've got a little bit of the gifts of the Spirit. We've got a little bit of tongues and interpretation prophecy. We've got no miracles. We've got no work in the miracles. We've got no gift of faith. We've got, no, we've got no creative miracles. We've got no divine healing. Father sinned. And he just kept praying for that way for a season of time. Then he got over in the spirit one night and God told him, there's coming a war, right? But he said, there's coming a healing revival, a revival of healing to America after World War II. And it did. But see, that happened not because of some sovereign move of God on a time clock, time to have a healing revival. People who didn't have it, who didn't really know it, stirred themselves up to pray, stirred themselves up to call on God. You know, Daniel, he never saw what he was praying about, but he saw it in the Word. He saw their, his nation's restoration to the homeland in the Word. He'd never seen it, had any physical evidence of it. And he, all by himself, he sought God. He prayed earnestly. And God responded to him, sent Gabriel down there and initiated the entire nation coming back and being restored. One man got stirred up to pray. If we really want it, we're going to have to pay the price. Pay the price. Who's going to pay the price? Talking to myself. Who's going to pay the price to get down on their face? Who wants it bad enough? Because 
We're not short of people who need miracles. And some people are never going to come to God today unless they have a move of God where they come in and conviction comes on them and they just can't deny Him. What about the outcome of your own children and grandchildren, husbands and wives, moms and dads? We need a move of God in this earth. And God wants us to have one. All right, praise God. Y'all have been so gracious. Acts 16, you know, remember Paul and Silas, they went and preached, and they kind of got in trouble for it. Kind of, they got thrown in prison and severely beaten. And they were taken into the deepest, darkest, grungiest places in that dungeon and were fastened in stocks and chains and shackles. And in verse 23 it says, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge or an order, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Sure enough, thank God for prayer. But what else does it say? And sang praises. Yeah, pastor, I've been praying. Well, are you singing praises? Are you singing praises? Faith will praise God. Faith will praise God. Like we sang tonight, joy in the sunshine and joy in the rain. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 And sang praises unto God. And sang praises unto God. You think they felt like it? Backs bleeding, swollen, hurting and in pain, got no leave. Got no Tylenol, no doctor, fastened in stocks. Could they have been frustrated with God? You know, I've been quoting Psalm 91. Here I am locked and beaten. Where's that whole thing about divine protection, Father? You know, they could have been frustrated with God. But they just got over their flesh and got over in the Spirit. See, it matters. Some people fall apart in a crisis. Why don't you get in the Spirit? Get in the Spirit. How do I do that? What they do? They prayed and they went to praising God. And they did it out loud where people could hear them. Well, let's finish this. It says, and suddenly. Woo! Come on, don't we want the suddenly? We want the suddenly. Well, we're not going to get suddenlies with our production teams. why we don't have one we have a praise team yeah what do I expect out of them I expect you to get up in front of people and praise God (laughs) and invite us to join you and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the fountains foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately Come on, didn't take a long time. All the doors, all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Come on, in closing, what is connected to our praise? Well, your breakthrough. Come on, your breakthrough, your breakout, your freedom, your liberty is attached to your praise. But get this. Others, their freedom, their liberty, their prison doors, 
their bondage got loosed. Other people's freedom, other people's breakthrough, other people's victory is attached to our praise. How dare we know in this, come in and not praise God. Come on. God has been too good. Stand up on your feet. God has been too good to us. I remember when I was 15 and a half in rebellion to my parents and He saved me from certain death in a car accident. Hallelujah. When my cousin Ricky died from a lesser accident. Praise God. God has preserved me alive. How dare I not praise God? I made a lot of mistakes. I I committed many sins. All of which I'm not ashamed of. But He forgave me. And He forgave you. How dare we not praise God? He wrote your name down in His book. He washed you with His blood. He took your disease. He took your poverty. Come on, give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, where you are on the live stream, stand up and give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. I'm not moved by these chains that have bound me. I'm not moved by the doors that have pinned me in. I praise you, Father. I worship you, Father. I love you, Father. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you're bringing me out. I thank you that victory is mine. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. But God, we're not satisfied. We're not going to be satisfied when our doors open. We're not going to be satisfied when our bonds are loosed and our chains are broken. God, thank You for freedom for our families, salvation and deliverance for our loved ones, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for our community, our state, our nation, our world. We praise You, Father, for a revival. We thank You, Father. Rend the heavens, Lord, and come down. Glory to God. Let the whole earth fill up with Your glory. With Your glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank You. Thank You. God, in the name of Jesus, You spoke to me in 2004 and You said relocate. You said get in position for a last day move of my spirit. And through much hardship and many tears and many years and much money and sacrifice, we are here and we are building and we are still working and we are still giving. And God, we're expecting that move that You would pour out on this land. In this place. Ha 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 ha. Glory to God. And I just know 
that God, you've brought some people from Florida to be a part of it. You brought people from Colorado to be a part of it. God, you brought people from Ohio to be a part of it. God, you brought us from near. You brought them from Oklahoma. And God, we're not going to go without it. You must fulfill your promise. We make a faith demand. Let it rain. Let it rain. Oh, but God, don't, be, don't let anyone be mistaken by my boldness. I know you're not holding out on us. I know that all of this is attached to our praise, to our worship, to our worshiping you in spirit and in truth. God, we pledge to worship You more. For You said to Your servant, Brother Norval Hayes, teach My people to worship Me more. For I will do great and mighty things for them. God, we're just going to take You up on that. Praise God. We worship You. We worship You. We worship You. Father, and in this age of social media and websites, God, let it be known and recorded. We, we love and appreciate all the churches and their hearts to serve You and the vision that You have given them. We just pray, Father God, that you would give us all the necessary light and revelation and understanding that we need to please you in this hour. To not fall prey to the devil's deceiving tactics and deceptive works. But that the Holy Spirit would visit pastors, leaders and sheep and stir them up for the real. Stir them up to be hungry for the real, for the authentic, for the genuine move of the Holy Ghost. And that God, that you would cause us to unite together as a church, no denomination, just one people, one Savior, one Bible, one Word, one Holy Ghost. For I know God, when you do that, when we do that, we will have a great revival. We will have a move of God. So let that be known to any and all watching or listening. That's our heart. And we thank you, Father, for this in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen? Well, hallelujah. Well, I'll leave you with one final nugget. Chris? It's not about what you know. It's about doing more of what you know. <laughs> right? So let's go and do what we know. Yeah. Right? God's